We are in a series right now entitled Something For You. And one of the exciting things about working and allowing God to work in us and through us is we can live lives of anticipation. There's something exciting about anticipating what God has for us. So as we open up God's word this morning, I want you to stop where you are. I'm going to have a very short word of prayer. And I'm going to pray and ask God to work in our lives as we anticipate hearing from him today. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your love and for your care. Thank you for your word. Every time we open up your word, the Bible, there's opportunity to learn more about you, what you want for our lives, and how you want to grow us and develop us. So Lord, I pray that we'll look with anticipation today seeking that you have something for me and something for every single person here today. And I pray that we'll find that and we'll be able to apply it to our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you make a Christmas list? Do you write out a list? I know my children do, and they unceremonially put it on the fridge. They don't even present it to us. They just put it on the fridge and they want us to find it. And uh, we look through and go, not a chance, not a chance, way too expensive. We bought you one of those last year and you never played with it. And then we find, oh, it sucks. Absolutely. You can have those. You make a list and you, you look at this and you think about the things that you want. My wife has been asking me for weeks, what do you want for Christmas? I told her, and this is true, I told her I want the love and respect of my family. She goes, but what, <laughs> what do you want me to buy you? <laughs> so uh, obviously I'm not getting love and respect. And... <laughs> I've been asking her the same question. What do you want? And there's a lot of things we want. We begin thinking through, what is it that I want this year? What is it that I want in my you know, practical life? But also, what is it that I want from God? And many times, God gives us, and here's a key statement for today, God gives us what we need, not always what we want. And we can praise God for giving us what we need and sparing us from the hurt and, the, and the, the disappointment of always getting what we want. In the scripture, in Matthew chapter number one, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter number one. It gives the account of Jesus' genealogy of his life and, uh, and his family life, and then it leads up into his birth. And in verse number 18, it begins with the angels speaking to his mother and his father. And let's begin reading in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. It says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. When her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, and this is what the prophet said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, and he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. 
I can very much appreciate in the, the growing up, as Joseph grows up into a man and Mary grows up into a woman, they have dreams and ambitions of how their life is going to look. And they put things in place. I can imagine a young bride, and during the, the Jewish betrothal, what they would do is, they would, many times there would be arranged marriages, so the families would be involved, and the, the fathers would talk to one another, and they'd, they would develop a, a relationship and say, okay, here is a dowry and basically they're saying can your son take care of my daughter and wouldn't that be nice today if we could sit down and there'd be money on the table <laughs> and we look at them and say i don't think that you're able to take care of my daughter that would be so nice the liberation <laughs> as a father but they they went through that process and they they said yes you and i were good for one another they built a relationship they loved one another joseph by all accounts and the way it reads there he was a very honorable man he was doing things correctly mary was a very honorable woman and she was doing things correctly and they had hopes and they had dreams and they in a, in a positive way said god this is what i want but god says i have something totally different for you you're not just going to have any marriage. You're not just going to have any child. You're not just going to go through the motions of life like everyone else in generations before and after. You're going to have something special. Oftentimes, God gives us not what we want, but what we truly need. And we look back on that and goes, God, I wouldn't want to do life any other way. Today, I want to reiterate the fact that God has something for you. We've been saying it over the course of this entire month. God has something for you. And it begins to roll off our tongue. The more you say something, the more we become used to it. But I want you to think through in your life, there's certain things that you want in life, and there's certain things that God says that you need in this life, and there's often a disconnect. Let's begin thinking through in your life as an individual, because what God has for you as an individual is for you. Absolutely, he wants every single person to know him as Savior. He wants us to place our trust upon Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. That's something he wants for every single one of you. But there's also there's something that he has for you as an individual person, every single one of you, whether you believe it or not, God has something for you. In that passage, Matthew chapter 1, verse number 21, it says, You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You shall call his name Jesus. God has a gift for you. But it may not be what you think that you want, but it's certainly what you need. Things that I want, I want my life to have success. But the things that I need is true success in my intimate and personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. In my life, I say I want stability. But God says what you need is truth. And you need authentic truth, not just the world's truth and the world's ups and downs. You need some authenticity in your life. We find in the Word of God and the, through the Holy Spirit. We want to be happy. I just want to be happy. And God says, I want to give you what you need is genuine joy, not just temporal happiness. We want peace in this life. And God says, I'm not just going to give you peace. I'm going to give you the peace that I can give you, which peace that passes all understanding. We want hope in this life. And many times we, we don't even understand what the ramifications that I want hope 
But God says, I have life for you, not just for now, but for all eternity. That means the, the ultimate hope, the ultimate joy, the ultimate stability and truth, the ultimate success that he has for us. And our principle for today is this. Every day I, and I want you to personalize that. So this isn't me talking. I want you to personalize this. Every day I need Jesus, God's gift for me. Every day I need Jesus, God's gift for me. Now, you're in church, so it's the right thing to say. Most of the time, if, the, if you have a question in church, the answer is Jesus. And so it's, it's pretty simple to say that here. But what about tomorrow? What about as you close off this year of 2019 and many of you are ready for the new 2020? And I've already heard some good dad jokes about seeing clearly in 2020. What we want to do, we want to say, I need Jesus every day. He's God's gift for me. Not just for somebody else, not just for the good people in the world, but it's for me. Our perspective is often skewed. Many times we see things in, in the way that we receive a gift as the receiver. But today I want to look from a slightly different point of view. In fact, to slightly nothing. The total opposite point of view. We're going to look from this perspective of God's perspective of giving a gift for you. God has something for you. Rather than thinking from the perspective of the person receiving the gift, let's look from the perspective of the person giving the gift. We often see things incorrectly. On the screen, there's a picture of two trees. Now, don't embarrass yourself. Maybe you need to use one eye or two eye. Use your good eye. Which one, which tree is darker? Which one is lighter? Point to it. So that one or that one. Which one's lighter? Which, which one's lighter? Darker? Okay, ready? Okay, this is going to blow your mind. This is an optical illusion. They're actually exactly the same color green. And I had to test it out, so I got my computer and I zoomed in, zoomed in, zoomed in. And they're exactly the same color green. It's because of the stripes behind that it makes it look different. It's all about perspective. And if you could see really clearly, they'd be exactly the same color. Our principle is every day I need Jesus, God's gift for me. It comes down to our perspective and how we see things. God has something for you. Through this series, we've looked upon and building in this series, we looked in some Old Testament passages in Isaiah, the book of Isaiah and the prophet Isaiah, where we see that God is with us. We've seen that God uh, sent Jesus to be the light in a dark world. Last week, we saw that Jesus is the source of hope from Luke chapter number two. And God has something for you. But how does God see your personal needs? How does God see you? Do you often feel like you don't measure up? Or you're the funny shaped? You've never been the world's first choice? Do you ever feel like you have been forgotten? I want you to think through and actually personalize this, that God has something for you. Today, God has a gift for you, and that gift, of course, is Jesus Christ. One of the most famous verses and passages in the Bible is John chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 14 through 17, and it says this. And as, this is Jesus talking. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, 
so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Jesus was, was saying, I'm going to be lifted up on a tree. I'm going to be crucified one day. Verse 15, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Probably most of you are familiar with John 3.16. But what you may not know is this is a verse that Jesus proclaimed that really gives the message of Christmas. Christmas is not just about a baby that was born in a manger. It was about a baby that was born that grew up to be the Savior of the world. And most of all, he grew up to be the God's gift to all mankind. We are in that passage the whoever that God gave his son for. And as you're figuring out what, uh, what to do for everyone else this Christmas, as, you, as you're desperately thinking through, what do I buy this person? I have a few more days until Christmas. What do I do? I want you to think for a moment that you are the whoever. And wherever you're from, that God has something for you. In this... 2019, there may have been many missed opportunities. I don't want to live my life focused upon and living in the past, thinking about all my missed opportunities. But many times, you and I, be think, thinking through all the regrets and all the missed opportunities that you and I have had over the last year. And I want you to finish this sentence in your own mind. This is going to be a little bit confronting, but I want you to think through this. This year, I wish that I would have. What is it that you wish you would have done this year? I can almost guarantee none of you said, I wish that I would have spent less time with my family. I wish this last year I would have spent less time with God. I spent far too much time with him. I spent far too much time with my family. I, uh, hopefully, none of you said that. I'm assuming that none of you thought through in the, in the thinking through this last year. I, this last year, I wish that I would have not taken opportunities to love and serve others. I wish I would not have taken those opportunities that God gave to me. I can almost guarantee that all of us, when we think to ourselves, I wish I would have, I wish I would have done more for, with my family. I wish I would have done more for God. I wish I would have spent more time with Him. I wish I would have learned more in this last year. God has something for you, but it's not cheap. It was not on sale. It was not late. It came exactly on time. It was thoughtful because it was planned from the very beginning, from the foundations of the world. God knew exactly what he was going to do and he was going to give us a gift. Ephesians chapter number 2, verses 8 through 10 says this, and this illustrates this beautifully. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not the result of works. Why? So that no one may boast. Now it goes on and gives us some credibility and gives us some value. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. In other words, you're not a mistake. He planned beforehand that we should walk in them. 
So the real question is, how will you respond when you know the fact that God has something for you? As an individual person, God has something for you. I've given a long introduction, and I have a relatively short points. The way that the Magi or the wise men responded when they discovered through the readings of the scriptures, reading of the book of Daniel, that the Messiah was coming, they saw the star and they saw the signs. They went and they found, they responded to him and they sought Jesus and they worshipped him. When the angels proclaimed Jesus' birth to the shepherds, they worshipped him and they praised him. The shepherds When they saw the angels, they didn't just ignore that. They got up, they went, and they saw Jesus. They saw Jesus, and then they went out and they proclaimed Jesus to everybody they saw. You and I, when we're confronted or when we're given an opportunity to be in front of Jesus, God's gift for you and God's gift for me, it demands a response. This morning I have three very, very brief points that all begin with M. It's one of these Christmas miracles that all it's all alliterated today. And the real question is, because Jesus was born, you have a miraculous gift, a meaningful gift, and also a messianic gift. We're going to go through these points relatively quickly because these are application points. But as you're sitting there, I want you to think through in your mind and rehearse in your mind, what is it that God has for you? First of all, because Jesus was born, you have a miraculous gift. The very birth of Jesus Christ was an absolute miracle. It wasn't something common. It was absolutely incredible. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, it says there, and I've underlined it on the screen, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now I believe there's a miracle in birth. Every single one of you is a walking miracle. The conception, the development, the birth, The life that God has given to every single one of us is an absolute miracle. But it's been replicated billions of times, again and again. In every single moment, children are being born all over the world. The miracle of birth, the miracle of life is absolutely incredible. Just because something is common doesn't mean that it is not a miracle. And every single one of your births was a miracle. I remember hearing my children's heartbeat for the first time. You go to the doctor and they put the little gel on your wife's belly and they, they feel around and they hear this. And then, of course, the old wives' tales come out and they begin counting. Well, this was 100, 178 beats a minute. Therefore, it must be a boy. And it's absolutely incredible. And as a father, it makes you weak and it makes you kind of sick in your stomach, and then you see this blob on the ultrasound screen, and you go, somewhere in that blob is my child that I I will love, and I will care for, and as they grow and develop, and you see, for me, you see your wife grow, and then then they, they squeeze your hand in childbirth, and they blame everything on you. All these wonderful things are the miracles of birth, and you see that, and you think, God has an incredible plan. Jesus' birth was a miracle because it was a birth, but it was even more so a miracle because it was given by the Holy Spirit. You and I are one of many, many billions. Jesus is the only one that was ever born conceived of the Holy Spirit. 
Not only was it a miracle of birth, a miraculous gift, it was a fulfillment of prophecy. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 4 is fulfilled in Matthew 1, verses 22 and 23. And he says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And last week, Dwayne shared with us the, the mathematical probability of one person fulfilling the, the prophetic prophecies of Jesus' birth and Jesus' life, of just eight of the four, over 400 prophecies, and it's 10 to the 17th power. And I don't know how big that number is, but it's a lot of zeros afterwards. The, the likelihood of Jesus being born and it being him is absolutely miraculous. It was a miraculous gift, a fulfillment of prophecy. God did this for you. There's a statement that I want to reiterate. Because something I was finding in my own self as I rehearsed something for you over the last several weeks it became commonplace in my mind. And I, I stopped when I was studying this week, and I thought to myself, I'm going to challenge all of us with a statement. And the statement's on the screen. Jesus is God's gift for me. I want you to say that. I know it's a bit awkward, because we don't often do this in church. But I want you to say this with me, and say it out loud, because it's a true statement. Ready? Jesus is God's gift for me. Excellent. We're going to practice it two more times later on in the message because I have two more points. But you think this gift that he has, this miraculous gift, he has for you. He has a miraculous gift for you. Not only that, it's a meaningful gift. It's a gift that was offered in love and 100% essential for your life and for my life. Because Jesus was born, you have a meaningful gift. That verse 21 of Matthew 1 says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why was Jesus born? For he will save his people from their sins. That's why Jesus was born. To save you and me and the rest of mankind from our sins. It's a meaningful gift. And the question is, how has that gift changed your life? When you're given a gift, it always demands a response. My children are, are being <laughs> very kindly tortured this last week as the presence underneath the tree, and we threatened them. This, well, rather, we, I did. Tammy's the nice one. I'm the practical one. And I said, if you take your present and you guess it, you're allowed to guess it, except I'm taking it back to the shop. And so it stopped my son Caden pretty quickly, which thankfully, because he was really good, because he looked, he went and got some of his other toys and was comparing it to his, to the boxes and working out what it was, and he guessed one correctly. It's like, it's gone. Say goodbye. But it's a meaningful gift that he has for you. And when you have a gift, like a gift under the tree, and someone hands you that gift and says, here's something that I want you to have, it always demands a response. The response of, I don't want it, is still a response. It's a rude response, but it's a response. The response of receiving that gift, opening it up, and enjoying that gift, and ultimately saying thank you in an appropriate way, is a correct response. The same thing for God's meaningful gift for you and for me. Jesus came for a reason. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus here is talking, and he says, I came that they may have life, and have what sort of life? And have it abundantly. 
He came to give us abundant life, real, true, genuine life. And that meaningful life and that meaningful gift means eternal life. John chapter 3, verse 15, Jesus says, And whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Eternal life begins at the moment of salvation. Physically, if God does not come back and, and receive us and send Jesus Christ to receive us, I will one day physically die, but spiritually I am made for eternity. My eternal life began the moment of salvation, the moment that I placed my trust upon Jesus Christ as my Savior. The number of things took place. The Bible says that in heaven the angels rejoiced, or, or my sins were covered. God wrote my name in a book called the Lamb's Book of Life, which is his book and his list of everybody that, that knows him as Savior. He gave me the Holy Spirit and he sealed my salvation with the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit, I can grow and develop and live in that relationship with him. But another thing that happened was he took my life that was a life that was going to eternity and death to now going to eternity and life. It gives us a new life. Not only an eternal life, we have a forgiven life. It's a new way of living. No longer carrying around the guilt and the, the hurts of the past. We are now living as forgiven people. John 3 verses 17 through 18 says this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Verse 18 continues on. Whoever, once again, remember, we are the whoever. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. There's a wonderful doctrine that's as presented here by Jesus Christ. It's given in other passages in the Bible, like Romans chapter number 3, teaches about a beautiful doctrine called justification. And justification is a big word, and it's actually a legal term. And it's understood to mean the, the act of being declared not guilty. It's a beautiful position. This meaningful gift of God sending Jesus doesn't just give us the ability to sing Christmas carols at Christmas. It doesn't just give us an opportunity to meet together every Sunday together. It gives us something of eternity. And with that eternity, God doesn't look at you in the culmination and the summation of all your sins and all your failures. Because of the wonderful doctrine of justification, God says, I am choosing to forgive you. I'm choosing to forget your sin. I'm no longer looking at you with all your failures. I now look at you as a clean, pure human being that has been washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is a beautiful gift. It's a meaningful gift. It's not just a gift you go, well, that's nice, God. Thanks very much. And keep living the way you've always lived. We now live differently. When we sing songs and praises to God about God's salvation, that's the reason. Because we now live every single day in our eternity, in our internal life. Now, I got you to practice before. Are you ready to practice again? Jesus is God's gift for me. Why don't you say that again? Jesus is God's gift for me. It is a miraculous gift. It's a meaningful gift, but it's a gift that only God could do. 
You and I, there's no way we could give this gift on our own. There's no way in a million or billion lifetimes that we could earn our salvation. It was only one way that we could have our salvation. There's only one way we can enjoy this new life. And that's why I call it a messianic gift, because it began with M. And a messianic gift refers to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. It's a gift from God himself. I'm going to say that one more time. There's a gift from God himself. When you stop and think about that for just a moment, I'm expecting gifts from my children. I'm expecting gifts from my family. But you think the creator of the universe not only knows who you are, but he has a gift for you as an individual that he's planned since the beginning of time. It changes its value a great deal when you know that God has put a great deal of thought, a great deal of effort, Jesus Christ, an incredible amount of pain and suffering for a gift for you. God's gift was giving himself in Jesus Christ. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world. Remember the first part there? I underlined it on the screen. It says, For God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The beginning of verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. It was all his idea. When you have a gift that has a story behind it, it goes from being just a simple, here's a gift, to this is what I went through. This is how I purchased it. This is what I was thinking about when I was purchasing this gift for you. And I was going around to all these stores that I had to go through. And it becomes a lot more meaningful when you understand the backstory. When you look at Jesus, his very name, Jesus Christ Emmanuel, means something for you and for me. Jesus, the name Jesus, is a word that quite literally means Savior. It's a word that is his human name, but it's from the name Joshua. So if those of you who are named Joshua, it's a similar word to the name Jesus. And the word Joshua means Jehovah is salvation. So Jesus in his own name shows that his gift is Savior. And in Matthew 1.21, it says, you shall call his name Jesus. Now, many times, like for my wife and I, we chose our children's names because, first of all, we agreed on them. <laughs> all my ideas were second or third on the list. So we agreed. Also, we thought, is it something that we could spell? And it's also, third, is it something that I don't mind shouting? Like, Tate! Caden! <laughs> Riley! So I don't mind shouting that because some of you have really long names. It's just too hard to shout. And so that's something we went through on the list, and that's how we determined the name of our children. To be perfectly honest, it wasn't until later on that we thought, hmm, I wonder what these, these names mean. It wasn't in our thought process. The name Jesus had a specific meaning. So they didn't just go, hmm, I like the name Jesus, so I'm going to command that you name him Jesus. It says there, for he will save his people from their sins. His name was meaningful. It was a gift from God. We also have the name Christ. Now, Jesus Christ. Jesus is his human name. Christ is his official title. What is it he that he's doing? It's a word that quite literally means anointed. 
The word Christ means anointed, and, and it's the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew word of Messiah. So if you were in Hebrew, it would be Jesus Messiah, but because the New Testament is in Greek, it's Jesus Christ. Matthew 1.18, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. I find it amazing. He was already Jesus Christ before he was even born. Jesus didn't become God. He didn't become the Savior. He was the Savior from the very beginning. He was anointed and he was proclaimed from the very, very beginning. And then finally, we have the title and the word Emmanuel, which goes back to a prophecy 700 years before Jesus' birth when the prophet Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And it says, And a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. That's exactly what was, what was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. And the word Emmanuel literally means God with us. That is who he is. We have his human name, Savior. We have his title, Messiah or anointed. And then when we have who he is, he's literally God with us. Only God could have done this. We have a miraculous gift. We have a meaningful gift. We have a messianic gift because it had to come from God. Something I was in my research, and I've, I've known this for quite a while, but this research, I researched it again this week. The different Gospels. We have the four Gospels in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all tell of Jesus' life from different perspectives. And some of them have stories or accounts that overlap. Two of them give the birth story of Jesus' birth. That is Matthew and Luke. But each of them have a different purpose. Matthew shows that Jesus is king. That is God's anointed king. Mark showed Jesus as a humble servant. Luke showed him as human nature. And then finally in John, we see Jesus as God. Whenever I sit with somebody and we, we, uh, they're new to the Christian faith, and they open up the Bible and say, where do I start? I normally direct them to begin reading in the book of John. And the reason why I say read the book of John, I say look for the different times where we see clearly that Jesus is God. Let's make that statement one more time. Jesus is God's gift for me. Why don't you say that with me? Jesus is God's gift for me. We have three gifts that God has for us, that he has for you. And as you go out this Christmas season, you have a choice. Some of you, you may not have received this gift for the very first time. You may not have received this gift, so this gift is for yours for the very first time. If you would allow me the honor at the end of the service, I will take the Word of God, the Bible, and I will show you out of the Bible how you can have a, an intimate and a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Also, some of you, you've known Jesus Christ as your Savior, but you, we begin living a life as if He isn't our Savior. We begin going back to the old ways, the ways before Jesus Christ. And we can return there because that's not where He wants us to be at all. He wants us to acknowledge Him and to live daily with Him. 
And then others, others of you were growing and were developing. And every single day we learn something new about God. Every week we attend church, we read our Bibles, we learn new things. And you're given an opportunity here to stop for a moment and go, God, thank you for what you've done for me. But every single one of you, I want you to respond today because Jesus is God's gift for me. I'm going to conclude this morning with a passage from Romans chapter number 8. I'm going to read Romans 8, verses 31 through 38. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there, because I want you to see this for yourself. If not, it will be on the screen for you to follow. And this is a passage of Bible that talks about because Jesus is God's gift, we now live different lives. We now no longer live the old way any longer. So I'm going to read this as a prayer and a praise to God. And then right as I'm reading this, the musicians will come and, and lead us in a final song. But I want you to read through this and say, this is God's gift for me if I know him as Savior. It says this, Romans 8. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring in any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, it says in verse 37, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Praise God that Jesus is God's gift for me.